Hello and welcome to the Nutrition Uncovered podcast. I'm Lisa, registered associate nutritionist, author, and a PhD student. The aim of this podcast is to provide you with evidence-based nutrition and health information, support you on your journey towards better health and better relationship with food and your body. If you need support with nutrition and health coaching, details are in the show notes. Here is this episode. How to cope with cravings. So in this episode, I will talk about a very common issue and concern that a lot of people have and a lot of my clients have, is how to cope with uh, things like chocolate cravings and different fast food cravings in an attempt to uh, manage the eating habits, potentially heal the relation with food, and maybe even with fat loss. So especially very often with fat loss, there is an attempt to eliminate certain uh, highly processed foods such as high fat, high sugar, high calorie foods. And for many people, it is also high sugar foods. Chocolate, for example. So chocolate I will use as a general example today, but we can think of any sort of processed foods that are typically not uh, the most well-balanced foods, not the most healthy foods, but the ones that we can particularly have high cravings for. So restricting our favorite foods might seem like an easy task at first, especially when we have this burst of motivation, when we really want to start changing our dietary habits. But then with time, there is this challenge of continuing to restrict these foods. Because life happens, you have birthday party, you have holiday, you have stressful events, um, different celebrations, etc. And so these things can make you crave these foods even more and you start missing the food, especially if you haven't been eating the food for a long time, your favorite food for a long time, you might be craving it more than before you restricted that food. You also might have, let's say, a lonely evening, you might be upset and sad, especially those uh, unpleasant and difficult emotions, very often they trigger us uh, to give up on our, on this restriction. Now, for the majority of people, restriction actually leads or can lead to overeating. Because what happens is that when we restrict, even in our minds, certain food, our favorite food, we become with time or quite quickly preoccupied with the food. And so the research shows that if you simply plan on restricting your favorite foods, for example, chocolate, if you simply plan on going on a diet tomorrow or on Monday, you increase your chances to eat more in anticipation of this restriction. And so research shows that if you simply plan on dieting, if you plan on restricting that food tomorrow or on a, on a Monday, you almost instantly increase your chances to then overeat on that food. So just anticipation of restriction can make you overeat. I find it really fascinating and I think knowing this is really important because it's not just the actual physical restriction that can, can make you uh, feel deprived and then crave it more. It's also just the thinking, just the planning around restricting and uh, really putting like a big no-no on a food item that you really love, that in and of itself can 
make you overeat. So yeah, just thinking about restricting your favorite food can increase the urge to eat. So the restriction, in a way, is a recipe for future overeating. So if you were told, for example, today, if I told you today that tomorrow you can never have ice cream again, and let's say you really like ice cream, like most of us do. I don't know many people who don't like ice cream. Anyway, if I, if I told you today that from tomorrow onwards you cannot have it ever, what would you do tonight? What would you eat tonight? I can guarantee you that you are going to eat ice cream tonight. And not just eat and enjoy it and just move on. Very likely you will actually eat more than you would have eaten if I didn't tell you that you can't ever have ice cream again. And so chances are that you're going to go to the grocery store, you're going to buy a really big um, tub of ice cream and probably even many of them because, let's face it, you know, you probably like more than just one flavor of ice cream. And chances are that you're also going to eat all of it or a lot of it today. Very often that, that I work with, when I work with clients, there is this mm, rule or this uh, plan to, if I overeat, okay, I'm going to restrict it, this food even more. I know it, it might sound counterintuitive, but doing the opposite works. So, not restricting it, not saying to my, to yourself, I cannot trust myself around this food, so therefore I should eliminate this food from my diet. That doesn't usually lead to good outcomes and doesn't lead to you being okay and being, being able to manage yourself around this food item. So how can you break this vicious cycle of restricting and then overeating, restricting and overeating? The answer might sound counterintuitive, but there is a growing body of evidence supporting the concept of, it's called habituation. So habituation means that you're having a repeated exposure to a food that leads to, as a result, decreased overeating and decreased craving. So in other words, serving the same food, for example, chocolate, over over days, over a period of time, in moderate amounts, but regularly and consistently, may result in decreased desire to eat that chocolate. And so by giving yourself full permission to enjoy that food and not feel guilty about that food may really help to put an end to this diet overeat cycle. What I often see with the clients is that they try to be really quote-unquote good early in the day and then in the evening they might give up and then overeat. Because the, during the day, your willpower is stronger. You're less fatigued. And by the evening, usually our decision fatigue kicks in. We are more tired of choices and we are easy to give in into our cravings. And also, if you're under-reaching throughout the day, you might also feel more vulnerable and you will be more vulnerable and more hungry by the end of the day. And that 
increases your chances of frantically searching for food in your fridge, in your cupboards. To really give your body something satisfying to reduce that sense of deprivation. So it's essentially the feeling of deprivation combined with guilt that make it really hard to tune into our internal hunger and satiety cues. And this is very important because being able to listen to your internal signals, hunger, satiety, it's an important concept when we're talking about having a healthy relationship with food and healthy eating habits. There is something called interceptive awareness. Interceptive awareness means that you can uh, you can understand, you can sort of hear, quote-unquote, what your body is telling you. You can understand when are you hungry, when are you full. And not only that, you can also understand different intensity, in a way, of your hunger and your fullness. Mm, for example, you can understand what is gentle hunger, what is comfortable hunger, what is uncomfortable hunger. And also with fullness, you can understand what is uh, comfortable fullness, what is uncomfortable fullness, one is overeating, one is extreme overeating, etc. So being able to tune into your internal cues is really important. But when we have a lot of restriction and food rules in our diets and also guilt, they can make it really hard to be able to listen to our internal cues. And therefore, this interceptive awareness is low. So there is no good understanding of your internal cues. So what I often see uh, in clients is that their thoughts and their beliefs around food can disrupt this inner compass, this inner compass which uh, shows, gives you understanding of your own body and of your own cravings and of your own hunger and satiety cues. And this is really important. The way we think about food and the way we talk about food to ourselves and with ourselves is extremely important. Words are powerful. And even words that we don't physically pronounce, but the words that are in the form of our, the thoughts and this commentary in our heads, extremely powerful. And so part of the work that I do with clients is also challenging these thoughts and these beliefs around food. And very often... Um, the thoughts around food are not necessarily rational and not um, also based on science. So, for example, dividing foods into good and bad, there is no such thing as good and bad foods. There are foods that are more nutritious in certain nutrients. There are foods that are less nutritious in certain nutrients. But that doesn't mean that we can categorize foods into two camps, good and bad. Food is not, nutrition is not black and white. So, for example, if uh, I have a client who is preoccupied with uh, macronutrients, for example, f uh, our fats, carbs, and uh, proteins and calories in general, in a food item, for example, in a burger that you that they are about to eat, they might completely miss this point where their body actually might be craving not a burger, but let's say a crunchy, juicy, fresh salad. So that's why learning to listen to your body is so 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 important and as a tip trying to turn off the 
head <laughs> and your thinking and just um, constantly being preoccupied with with the food and instead focusing on listening to how your body feels and what your body needs on a particular day in a particular moment is a really really like invaluable skill honestly that skill can help you to go very far with your eating habits so back to habituation habituation is not about encouraging you to eat let's say only chocolate so I'm not trying to to sit and say here, well, you just need to eat chocolate all day long. Whenever you have an instant impulse of eating chocolate, you should go and do it. That's not what habituation is about. Uh, because obviously, if you just eat chocolate all day, every day, I'm going to be a very bad nutritionist to encourage you to do that. And I know that it's going to probably make you feel very sick and uncomfortable. But instead, let's work on giving yourself permission to enjoy the chocolate when you feel like you want it and you need it, whilst also learning to tune into how your body feels. Because very often when people eat or they give in to their cravings, they do it somewhat mindlessly, i.e. they don't pay attention to how their body feels in the moment, and they try to do it very quickly because there is a guilt associated with eating the chocolate. And when there is this guilt, you're trying to eat it very quickly to so, sort of almost get rid of this guilty situation, i.e. the situation when you are eating the chocolate. So it might feel counterintuitive to allow yourself to enjoy the chocolate when you feel guilty. Now, of course, I, I should mention here that the in, in terms of habituation and introducing um the foods that you crave should be done in a systematic way and it should be done, um, well, hopefully with support of the professional uh, to be guided into how to best approach it because, of course, chocolate shouldn't replace your uh, healthy meals and uh, balanced diet. So it's important to do it in the context of working on balancing your diet overall. And again, this is best done with a professional for example, a nutritionist or a coach. So habitually introducing previously forbidden foods, as a result, can alleviate the anxiety and uh, insecurity around particular foods. And therefore, as a consequence, it can help you to build a healthier relationship with that particular food. And I know that it might be hard to believe that you can trust your hunger your fullness and your cravings and I can hear sometimes reservations from clients like well if I crave chocolate uh, and I allow myself to eat it I will just eat it all the time and it will be really bad and if I let myself to eat it I will never be able to stop and I will never be able to eat anything else so this is totally understandable and what you are probably really saying is that you're afraid that you cannot be trusted around chocolate and you are afraid that you won't be able to stop. The thing is, as long as this belief dominates your head and your thoughts, you also can almost expect to overeat and therefore you can start acting on your own beliefs. So that becomes as a self-fulfilling prophecy. In practice, very often it doesn't work out, uh, the fears don't work out like initially the client might think because the thing is 
if you really imagine you're going to eat chocolate for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I guarantee that you're going to be sick of it on the third day. You're going to crave something uh, substantial, a proper meal with um, with protein, with veggies, etc. So that's why it can be really good to work with a nutritionist on your relationship with food to help to guide you through this process because it can be quite challenging and I understand how you can think well I'm hopeless I do not have any willpower it will not work with me but you need to try and nutrition knowledge is also really important so nutrition knowledge is something that I really passionate about when I work with my clients and it can be helpful in um, guiding the planning of your balanced and satisfying meals But the thing is, when you have a lot of nutrition rules, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have good nutrition knowledge. Because a lot of the times, the rules are actually more like myths around food than actually good nutrition knowledge. And this is not your fault. It's just the the fact that we live in a diet culture that doesn't help us to get a really good quality nutrition information. And there is a lot of noise and there there is a lot of misinformation online about nutrition. You know, not having a good source of information uh, about nutrition can really perpetuate that cycle of yo-yo dieting, of restriction and overeating and binging. So I know that giving yourself permission to eat your favorite foods can be quite a foreign concept and you might not expect to hear it from a nutritionist. But with as with any change, small steps unnecessary to get you to a comfortable place with food when you can learn to enjoy your fearful foods in moderation. It is very possible. I have done it countless of times and there is evidence to support this. But it does require effort and it does require patience and it does require taking action and it does require doing things that you are fearful about, i.e. introducing the foods that you are fearful So another thing in learning to cope with cravings and overcoming cravings is mindful eating. So mindful eating is about helping yourself to slow down when you're eating uh, and it helps you to be really present and mindful with your meals, with a particular food that you are eating. So mindfulness in general is awesome, it's amazing, but mindful eating, when we apply mindfulness to nutrition, is also a really powerful concept. So mindful eating is about paying attention, being present in the moment, it is about slowing down and savoring and enjoying your food. And sometimes I feel, so people learn very interesting things about themselves and the foods that they eat when they are practicing mindful eating. And very often, it could be that my clients even realize that they don't necessarily love food that they thought they did before when they start practicing mindful eating, i.e. when they pay attention. So, for example, let's take a chocolate uh, as an example. When they eat this chocolate let's say they realize that after that they don't necessarily feel that good maybe they don't they feel a little bit sluggish and a little bit tired especially if they had uh, a bit too much of that chocolate 
So these sort of realizations are so, so powerful and they're the ones that will give you the sense of freedom and the confidence in your food choices. When you really go from your head into your body, when you start paying attention and mindful eating exercises that I do with my clients can be really helpful. Eating mindfully does take practice. And each time you pause to check in with yourself, to check in with your cravings and your body signals, it is in and of itself a small victory. And it is a way towards developing a healthy relationship with food. So I hope it was somewhat helpful and useful. And if you are struggling with cravings, just know that you are not alone. Millions of people in the world are feeling similar things, similar feelings towards uh, various foods. So cravings are real, but it is important to address this and it is important to learn how to work with your cravings, how to have the skills and tools in your toolbox that will help you to um, manage your cravings and as a result have a confident healthy relationship with food that will support your goals whether that goals in terms of your health goals your fat loss goals uh, your uh, relationship with food goals so if after hearing this you feel like you need to do some work on this i am happy to help i will leave, leave my contact details in the show notes and Drop me a message anytime. I'm happy to chat and I'll be really happy to help if I will be able to help. Have a good rest of your week and until next time, bye!